ஒர்க் Uh, tune in to hear leading enablers on how to secure executive support, raise their sales productivity of your apps, um, drive commercial success in this volatile economic climate. Right? Our guest for today is Stephanie White. Stephanie has over 15 years of experience in sales, revenue enablement, and sales ops. So she's been on both sides of the table. Uh, currently, she is uh, the senior director of revenue enablement at Lupio. So hey, Stephanie, such a pleasure to have you on the interview series. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dig in today. Great. I I gave a very short intro about you. Like, uh, would love to if you want to expand onto that and like you know tell us more about yourself and what is Lupio would be great to start with. Amazing. Hi everybody. So Step White. <laughs> um and and as Neil said, I am a former seller, for former sales ops person, and now an enabler. And I think what's really cool about that is it's all about perspective. And so as we talk through today and as you know we approach different enablement programs maintaining perspective on who our internal and external stakeholders are is so important to create impactful enablement programs which is what we're going to talk about today to make sure you've got that buyer alignment. Um I work at Lupio which is a sales response management platform company um and I have been here since 2021. So nice to meet you. Awesome intro as always. Sir. uh so yeah like this is an interview series we have five set of five questions that we're going to ask uh, uh, each of our guest and uh, let's start with the first one right uh, so in in this scenario right like how do you elevate the role of sales enablement with the c suite when uh, a lot of support functions are being eliminated yeah so i think there's a couple of things that we want to keep in mind enablement cannot be on its own rogue missions when we think about getting support from the c suite the most strategic way and most effective way that we can do that is ensure that when we're setting our charters for each year and you may do it by half year or by quarter or by year but make sure your pillars directly correlate to the pillars of the business why does that matter well it's pretty simple if you are going off on your own roadmap for how to get to success then you're living in a bubble you're in a silo that is sales specific If you go top down and you think about okay what are the core initiatives for the organization that our C suite cares the most about in terms of our strategic direction how can i support that and so you take those big north star objectives and you start breaking it down for the things that you can contribute to when you report on those in a monthly basis sharing that all the way up to your vp and your C suite is so important and helps you demonstrate how you're supporting the broader business reach its goals rather than just the sales team. Doing that in an effective way means yep, sharing insights not on you know how you did something but what you did. And the difference I would say there is what you did is for example, we reduced the sales cycle by 3%. 
how you did it is the, well, we ran training sessions and we monitored recorded calls and we used reporting. Nobody cares about the how the sausage is made. They want to know what has been delivered. So focus on what you did when you report on a monthly basis to support those bigger, broader company initiatives and deliver insights. Why does it matter? Why should they care? What can you uniquely tell as part of the story of what you saw and impacted the previous month to help steer the business in the right direction? That's the goldmine piece right there. It's the insights you can deliver as you've been contributing to the broader organization reaching their goals. And uh, like when you meant about delivering these insights, right? Like uh, that that's a good segue to the second question, right? That I have. So uh, in this case, like why is revenue enablement critical for organizational success in the current economic scenario where yes, you are delivering those insights and you are aligning the pillars to uh, to support the C-suite, uh, you know, of goals and objectives as well. But then in such a scenario, like wh why enablement particularly or revenue enablement uh, org is, you know, very, becomes a critical piece in the entire organizational, uh, like, you know, success. So mm -hmm. why, why do you think is that? So, I like to joke that enablement is like ice cream. It comes in 42 flavors. Pick your flavor based on, you know, your own desires for your organization. Um, but I think what is consistent for all of us is we focus ultimately on two things. How do we make sales organizations more effective and more efficient? So it's interesting. We hear some of the data that's coming out from leading researchers about investments in the function and why it's critical. Well, when there's less opportunities in the pipeline, putting your best foot forward on every single deal is more critical than ever. And so if we think about enablement as being a key function to drive efficiency of our process and the effectiveness of our sellers, I mean, we're just innately intertwined there in terms of driving the economic engine for the business. And as we're in these times, making sure that we're being thoughtful in, okay, effective selling, cool. Effective selling a year ago may have looked like time management. It may have been, you have more opportunities to manage than you have hours in the day. How are we gonna support you as an enablement team to be more effective in managing that high volume? Well, that's shifted. And now it's really about how are you prospecting? How are you actively going and looking for new opportunities? Because guess what? They're not falling on your lap anymore. So what's the core message that we need to be delivering? Who are our ideal customer profiles? Let's make sure that we understand who we're talking to, what their challenges are, how to have real conversations, and how to deliver value to their business. You know, that's just one of the ways that we're thinking about being effective in supporting revenue engines this year. And when we think about efficiency, you know, people will go straight to the tech stack, right? Oh, tech is terrible. I have 15,000 tools. Funny how that's changed because everybody wanted more tools six months ago. I don't think the size of your tech stack is the problem. I truly don't. I think it's the value you're getting from it and how you're leveraging it. It's really surprising to me when I talk to a lot of other enablement leaders about efficiencies in their sales process. And what they're uncovering is they may have launched a new tool, but they didn't drive adoption as well as they thought they did. Or because so many of our tech stack um, items are actually SaaS platforms, 
there's new features or functions that rolled out. We aren't leveraging them. We didn't even realize this can now talk to this. Sometimes a quick win that you can have for the business is actually uncovering, you know, those 17 reports that we are doing manually right now with a G connector to Salesforce, I can actually get those systems to talk together. It'll take me three hours to do the work. It'll take me two hours to create training content, one hour to roll it out to the team and put some measurements in place in one business day. I'm now going to save us six hours of reporting a month, plus all that time spent where our sellers were keying in information in two different systems. So it's the efficiency, totally. the effectiveness. Mm. Great, great. Uh, like totally relate to you on that because uh, at GTM Media, I'm the one who's creating all those reports mm. and, you know, connecting uh, data uh, that goes from here to there. And, you know, hey, we can be efficient in, in many ways. So uh, definitely uh, like, you know, relate to that. So when, when you're, when we're making our sales reps more efficient and our tech stack more e effective, right? Uh, so that that increases the sales rep uh, efficiency overall, right? Um, but still, like a lot of companies have, uh, everybody has seen, like are still laying off, right? Like salespeople are being laid off, but the entire company is still expected to do the same amount of revenue, like hit the same amount of quotas, uh, like, you know, and or maybe, Maybe they're not ex extending the quota or adding the quota, but they're keeping it same. Maybe they're not reducing, right? So in such a scenario where you're not hiring your sales, a lot of sales reps, what does the role of sales enablement become, right? When you're not hiring these sales reps to do a lot. Yeah, so it's interesting. We've had similar conversations within my own team. And it's, okay, if you are used to having a new hiring cohort every single month, and now you just went to once a quarter, you should not be sitting around doing this and twiddling your thumbs. Absolutely not. Couple of things you should be doing right now. If you do not have people flowing through your onboarding process, this is the perfect time to go back, update that content, run analytics, see what your ramp speed was for you know recent batches of new hires that you onboarded. Were they on track? Were they faster? Were they more successful with certain market segments? What can you learn through their performance analysis to make your onboarding program stronger in terms of content, frequency, all that good stuff, so that when you are ready to hire in your next group, you hit the ground running faster and stronger than you did with your last group. That's piece number one, is great opportunity to dive deep and really take a critical eye to your onboarding program refresh it now so it's ready and use data to make those decisions. Think the flip side of that, and you alluded to this, your quotas might be the same for your sellers, right? If we think about a sales leader, they may now have five people instead of seven, but they need to hit the same revenue target for the organization. That means you need to level everybody on your sales teams up. How are you going to do that? Well, if you have a competency map, this is a beautiful time to make sure that your sales managers have done evaluations based on those competencies for each of the people on their team. What you will start to uncover is what are the key trends? Maybe it's deal management. Maybe it is prospecting as we chatted about briefly earlier. Maybe it is time management. Maybe it's multi-threading. Actually have the managers do their evaluations of competencies Go looking for trouble in those leading indicators of behaviors. 
We don't want to just focus on the lagging. The sales managers are going to be doing that now. You know, where are people at versus their quota? We want to be thinking about the behaviors that we can drive so that 30 days, 60 days, 90 days down the road, we are in a stronger position. That would be a second thing I definitely recommend that people do right now is really dig into the competencies and those early behaviors that help drive the sales cycle for their sellers. And the last thing I would say is career mapping, performance management, career progression options, this third piece. You know, people will burn the candle at both ends when they are very passionate about sales and what they're doing, but that can only last so long. So when we are asking people to rise to the occasion and level up and challenge themselves, they will do it, they will do it, they will do it. But you need to be able to show them the roadmap of how that will lead to future success for them. If you don't have a growth plan in place for a seller who manages to still hit 100% of quota, you're doing both of you, him, that person and yourself a disservice. You wanna keep them motivated. So the third piece I'd say is start thinking about those proactive things that you can be offering to your sellers. Is it mastery courses? Is it growth plans? Is it special opportunities to get involved in key new initiatives and projects? You want to be finding the balance between the increased pressure and workload and, you know, that carrot that's really going to incentivize them to think in new ways so that they're feeling inspired, not stressed. Perfect. I, I think a lot of insights for a lot of revenue leaders to, uh, you know, on how do you move the middle, right? Like you mentioned, um, sales managers now have like five reps instead of seven and they have to achieve the same number of quota and we all know like not every seller is the best seller <laughs> like not everyone is going to hit like you know eight more than 80 percent or even more than 100 percent of their quota so how do in that case like we have seen a lot of revenue leaders face this challenge on moving the middle right like that's uh that's that's one thing and those insights are really great for uh revenue or uh, people who are listening to this interview on moving the middle, right? Like onboarding, making sure like you do more with less and, you know, making sure that uh, everybody who's doing that more is, you know, compelling and, you know, very efficient. Manner. So, uh, and you mentioned like double clicking on the onboarding part, right? Like you mentioned, um, you have to learn from the onboarding sessions that you're doing. Like if you have three months ramp up time, how do you get that to two months or even like one month if if at all that is possible and use data uh and to like you know improve the systems improve the process right so when on and in many cases what what happens is like when layoffs happen like there are internal leaders that that are you know created right and when if, when you become a leader you generally do not get the same amount of onboarding for a leader in a company that you would get to like you know when you maybe join as a sales rep, right? So when in, in such a scenario, when like you can't, uh, uh, an organization can't spend a lot of time on these onboarding sessions and training sessions for the, uh, like, you know, tenured reps who are now sales managers and directors and basically sales leaders, what value the enablement team can provide for uh, these leaders who have been emerged out of uh, this such a scenario? Yeah, so I think there's two different streams, right? One would be somebody who is new to a leadership role during this time. On top of everything else, oh, hey, you're a first-time leader. Let's just throw that <laughs> yeah. into the mix. That's not stressful. Yeah. Um, so I think 
For those folks who are experienced sellers at their orgs, but are first-time leaders and are now finding themselves in a leadership position, lean on your enablement leader for coaching support, insights, and data, right? If you are going from being an IC to a manager for the first time, you don't necessarily know what reports exist out there. You don't know where you should be looking. You probably don't even have a great insight on the full sales process before, you know, your role gets engaged and after. Go lean on your enablement partner and have one hour meetings once a week for at least a month and ask them what you should look at. They will be able to tell you and provide those insights. Hey, these projects are coming from this department. Maybe it's customer success next month. Something that would be incredibly valuable for you to do is here's some data. Here's five key points that I pulled out for you about what we're seeing in trends of recent deals that have closed. Go meet with your team and understand why they're closing deals like this because we're seeing this happen when it hands over to launch or go live. Um, so making sure that you initiate that time with your enablement leader who can give you perspective and support both on the individual performance of your team, but also in the broader scope of the business, what is happening. If you are an existing leader, you've been a leader, and now you're just trying to figure out how am I going to hit my target with five people instead of seven, you may need to get more involved in deals yourself to try to drive those win rates. That's part of your strength as a sales leader. That's likely why you're in seat or one of the reasons why you're in seat. Lean on your enablement team to do things like help run reporting, to help do group coaching sessions, to help facilitate additional learning about things like your ICPs, about market industry trends. Start to look at critically your role as a manager, the things that you do in a week, what can you hand off? It is amazing how when we start thinking about, you know, manager coaching sessions, if you as a leader are trying to do all the feedback for your team members in Gong, for example, cool. But if your average call is an hour long, maybe you get to five or six of those in a week and you can get feedback. If you engage your enablement team, they can do a couple of things for you. They can create scorecards to make it quicker and easier to highlight. They can do smart trackers to pull out keywords and send you an email on Monday morning. Hey, here's your sales reps that use the key verbiage that you wanted to make sure they were. Here's the ones that aren't. Go focus on that. But also they can get right involved and coach individually on deals and calls also, which is hugely beneficial to you as a leader because you can focus on driving the revenue and get that additional support for your people and your data insights. Great, great. I think interesting insights for anybody who is an existing sales leader on, on like, you know, what, what are the things that they can do today, like right after listening and maybe use the tools and tech that they already have to get more insights and everybody wants to win like all the deals that they have, right? Like, and these are like, this is a great uh, way to, you know, make sure that you are winning all these deals, right? So good, good learnings for uh, like, you know, how an enablement team can help the sale, existing sales leaders and also the ones who have emerged uh, newly sales leaders in, in such orgs, right? So uh, in a world where like every deal must be won, um, how enablement teams are especially helping uh, now the, uh, you know, up-leveling 
rep skills and making them more effective. Now we know that they're helping the leaders to be more effective and know what to do. Now, how can the enablement team, particularly up-level rep skills and make them more effective so that they can do more with less? Yeah. So I think, you know, you got to know what's going on. What are your opportunities for improvement, as we like to call them? For enablers, go partner with operations or your finance team. Some of the lowest pieces of hanging fruit from the tree are things like competitive win rate. Mm -hmm. It's things like your overall win rate and deal cycle length by each rep. One of the fastest areas that you can focus and potentially drive impact is if you are in a market where you have one or two key competitors, go figure out where you're winning and where you're losing enablers. Go figure that out. Put together content, battle cards, trap setting questions, and go host workshops, not traditional training sessions, workshops with your sellers where they can actually role play and apply these trap setting questions and really look to leverage battle cards on the fly. But it's not a one and done. You're going to do that this week. Next week, you're going to be listening to calls and you're going to be using those core cards in Gong to evaluate people. Did we hit the metric for success? What are a couple of great examples? Pull those out, share those with the team, use it as social proof, and then repeat again the following week. Something like competitive win rate is something that can broadly hit across the team in terms of sharing insights. Maybe you're expanding into a geographical market and that is your lowest win rate today. What is it that you can see in the data that you can help train or coach to to bring up knowledge? For the team. The first step is knowledge. The second step is practice. The third step, implementing. The fourth is mastery, right? So thinking about those four steps for the team at large. Um, the other thing I would just say is, you know, really looking at the individual ICs. What are you doing? So that was broadly first about the overall data, right? How's the team doing? But if you start looking within teams, who are your high and low performers? Maybe you have a great opportunity where recent hires, because of when they came in, their manager has a million other things they're more worried about. They didn't get the same degree of one-on-one -on -one coaching support. This may be time where the best thing you can do as an enablement partner is actually implement a formal coaching pilot program. And you may say, I'm going to take everybody with less than six months experience with their manager's blessing. And we're going to come up with a formal structure where I'm going to partner with this person. The average quota attainment on their team is 80%. This person's at 60%. I'm going to partner with their manager to give them an individual learning plan and go at it that way. Obviously, this all depends on the size of your organization. So I'm speaking broadly with a couple of examples, but these are some key ways that you can start looking and going looking for trouble. Definitely. And I think uh, like there's, there's a lot of uh, tools or tech that you can use, uh, the enablement team can use to you know, make sure that uh, if everybody or the top reps are hitting 80 or 100% of their quota, like somebody who's yeah. like at 50 or 60, how they can jump, uh, yeah. jump to the top right like and move the middle that's like you know so everybody wins right like sales are sellers are happy like the managers are happy the enablement team is happy like that's that's the that's the dream <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh great so uh really good insights uh stephanie thanks a lot for sharing all all the learnings and uh for i think it's there that's something for 
the enablement teams there's something for sales leaders there's like something for seller uh very very great insights any uh parting piece of advice for people who are listening yeah so my last reminder to folks would be don't forget to enable enablers so that's a mouthful mm. on my team we call it e2 which is enablement for enablement um the only way you can continue to upskill and level up the teams that you support is if you keep doing it yourself. If last year things got away from you and you were so focused on big hiring cohorts and onboarding tons of people, that's okay. But now's the time to get diligent and really structured with your time. You need to be an expert in the sales tools that your team is using. If you have not gone through your, you know, there's so many SaaS platforms out there. If you have not gone through their recent product roadmaps, if you have not logged in, if you are a Salesforce user, if you have not logged into Trailhead to learn how to do reporting or dashboards or some custom fields, um, you need to go do that. You need to get very deliberate in enabling enablement because that is your force multiplier, just like a sales manager. Go learn, collect your insights, and share that out to your sales organizations. That is one of the most valuable things you can do with an hour of your day. That is a really great learning, right? Uh, Stephanie, enable enable your enablers, right? Like this is something I hope it catches on. <laughs> and I, I, I'm sure like a bunch of people might already be doing it. But if like they're not, they're, this is something that they can really do because um, it's an exponential uh, like outcome, right? Like if you enable your enablers, like really good learning. Yeah. So again, thanks, thanks, Stephanie, for your time, and you know, uh, like thank you for coming on for this interview series and uh, sharing all these great insights with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.